Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoyed the message. Good morning, Dogwood. My name is David Hodge. I've been a member of this church for 11 years, and this is my favorite service. You should feel special. You don't, you don't sound special. But this is my, I, I was at the 915. Normally we go to this church. We sit, sit in the back so we can judge people. I mean, to watch things. And uh, I was telling the 915 people, they, they're the real dedicated ones. I mean, 915, yeah. But you're like me. You're a slob, right? You just sort of stumble in the church. Hey, I'm here. So it's my favorite service. My uh, full-time work is uh, developing leaders, and I have an agenda whenever I work with leaders. It's simply this, to, to encourage them, because I there, there's nothing we need more today than encouragement. That's especially true of leaders, and if I'm guessing right, that's especially true of you right now. I can't possibly know all the stories of the faces that I'm looking at right now. Some of you look like you need some encouragement. Some of you look just downright scary to me, but many of you look like you need encouragement, and you probably do. Why? Because life is hard. It's difficult, and we need help. Today, we're going to be looking into God's Word, and my hope and prayer is that whatever you need, God would fulfill it through His Word to your mind and to your heart today. Now, some things may be shared today that you may not want to hear, but perhaps you need to hear them. And so I ask the Spirit of God to for all of us to make that journey from our head to our heart in in a way that only He can do. I'm humbled by all the opportunities God has given me, but none more than the opportunity to share in my own church. My wife, uh, Pam, is here uh, this morning. I called her uh, beautiful and sultry this morning, so I guess I need to call her that again. She, and that she is. Well, not sultry, but she is. Well, she is sultry. I'm sorry. Uh, I just offended my wife. Wow. Uh, what I meant to say in the first service was that she's beautiful and sassy. Indeed, she is uh, sassy. And, um, and she is absolutely the love of my life. Pam recently, and, and the two of us lead a small group called the Hodge Podge. We meet every week. Uh, it's our third small group in the past 11 years. I, I say this every time I speak at Dogwood. If you're not involved in a, in a small group, listen. Such encouragement has come into our lives through our small groups. I'm looking now at some of the members of the small groups we were part of previously and some that are part of our group now, and I'm just reminded of the profound encouragement that comes through that. And this fall, if you're not a part of one, this fall you'll have an opportunity to join one. And let me deeply encourage you to take that step and be a part of a fellowship and find the encouragement that you need on a regular basis. I know I am blessed this morning because I know everyone in my small group is praying for me now. And their support means, listen, the world to me. And you need that support too, don't you? Pam uh, recently joined the staff of Dogwood Church. She works in the area of Kingdom Kids. And you're probably wondering, what is Kingdom Kids? Well, I have no idea. I probably should listen to her when she's talking to me about her work. I'm just joking, by the way. I'm going to need to get you up, aren't I? Well, I need to, you need some energy, right? <laughs> Kingdom Kids, anytime we have something at this church other than Sunday morning, Kingdom Kids is the ministry that serves the children, like during the women's Bible study or the salt meetings or whatever. Uh, there's a wonderful ministry taking place uh, 
in the quest where, where children are not only being taken care of, that, that we build into their lives just like we do on Sunday morning, and Pam is a part of that. I'm extremely grateful to be uh, sharing with you in our new series called Twisted, and I'm going to share a little bit more about that in just a little bit. Uh, but, but I want to share a little bit about the title of the message today. You, you may be looking at it going, that's a kind of an interesting title, Indiana Jones and the Secret of Contentment. And, and the reason I chose this, I'm going to give you a little backstory on, on the, the, the message title today. I love stories. I love good stories. I love action stories. I love uh, stories with a little bit of a love interest, but not too much. I don't want to get, to get too, too mushy. I, I love stories where a lot of things are happening, but it, it, eventually what happens is despite all the tension going on, there's resolution there. And I've loved stories that are based in places that Pam and I have traveled, like uh, Germany or the Canadian Rockies or uh, New England. I, I love those kinds of local settings, and I love historical fiction. I, I've traveled a lot to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, so I read a lot of books on the Amish as a re- result of that. By the way, I, I heard of a recent Amish romance book called Fifty Shades of Hay. <laughs> I have not read that, nor do I recommend you read that, but anyway, I love a good story. And So every year during our vacation, we look for movies that tell good stories, action, all the things I was just mentioning. And uh, this year, we, ch- we chose to watch the four Indiana Jones movies. And uh, each one of those movies has a similar theme. If, you, if any of you remember watching these similar things, there's always this powerful, mysterious artifact. And these archaeologists and these politicians and these powerful men and women want that because they, 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 they believe that artifact will bring them something very special like power or wealth. But there's one character in all these movies that isn't looking for power and wealth. He's Indiana Jones. What, what is he looking for? He's looking for the truth. He's, looking, he's a very skeptical person. And, and today, I, 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 I want you to be very open-minded, like, like a skeptic, and wonder, what, what is this verse that we're going to be looking at? What does this verse really mean? In order to do this, we need to be open to the truth. We need to be open to what God has to share with us. Our, uh, our series in, is entitled Twisted, Untangling the Most Misused Verses of the Bible. And we're going to be looking at five different verses that are often misused or misunderstood, not only by people outside the church, but sometimes by people within the church. And today's verse is simply uh, one that you probably know pretty well. It's Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, this verse, if you do a Google search, and I don't recommend you do it right now, but if you do a Google search on Philippians 4.13, you'll get all kinds of images. But what's interesting is you'll see a thread, and one of the thread images is sports. It's often connected. This this verse is often connected to sports. For example, you you may, uh, if you did your Google search, may may find this individual, and he has this eye black. I just recently... uh, found out the term of the tape they put underneath their uh, eyes. It's called eye black. I guess it's because it goes underneath the eye and it's black. Eye black. And you can write on it. And uh, th- this uh, Heisman-winning quarterback wrote this verse on his eye black, and, and it got a lot of attention. Uh, more recently, uh, a very well-known basketball player, a uh, two-time NBA champion, just signed a contract recently for $200 million. 201, thank you, Mark, for correcting me publicly. (laughs) 
He, he has the beginning of this verse on his shoes, I can do all things. So, so you would get the impression it has something to do with sports, that, that Paul, who wrote this verse, must have intended this for us to, to have success in sports. I also discovered this uh, interesting uh, graphic here. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens. Notice where the word me is. It's sort of central there, isn't it? It's, it's a man doing, I guess it's a man doing this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you look over to the side, notice some of the words there. Confidence, triumph, feat, win, victory. Is that what Paul is talking about when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Now, before we pause and become too judgmental about those who (laughs) misapply this, We need to recognize any one of us in this room, no matter how long we've been following Jesus. By the way, my stomach just growled. I don't know if that means anything. Oh, it means I'm hungry, so let me hurry along here. Any one of us can be guilty of misapplying these passages in our lives. That word, me, stands out to me because how often have I looked at Scripture and simply decided this verse is for me versus this is what God wants me to hear. And as we go through this verse today and the bigger picture of it, what what Paul and ultimately God is saying to us, I think it's helpful for all of us to admit that any one of us can be deceived about God's Word. We, We can read in the Scripture what we want to hear, not necessarily what God wants us to hear. And so let's search for the truth of what God really wants us to know about I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Are you with me? Can, we ha- can I have an amen? amen? Amen. Good. Good. And th- that way we're going to do it is we're going to look at uh, this verse uh, three different ways. The first way is we're going to understand a little bit about the person who wrote it. His name is the Apostle Paul. Then we're going to look at the, the church that he wrote it to, is the church at Philippi. And then lastly, we're going to look at the larger context. And through all this, my hope and prayer is that God would speak his timeless word to our heart so that we can grasp the full meaning of this. And before I go on any further, let, let me just say this. It doesn't mean on any level, once we determine what the true meaning is, that God's not interested in me doing what well at work or me finding success. But understand this, often God defines success very differently than we do. And our, our eyes and our hearts need to be open to what he's having to share with us. So what can we know? What do we know about the person who wrote this? Well, his name uh, was originally known as Saul. He was a Pharisee. In fact, he was known as a Pharisee among Pharisees. He was very good at being a Pharisee. In fact, he had over 400 positive Yelp reviews on being a totally self-righteous Pharisee. He was very powerful, very influential. And what he was doing was he was persecuting the church. And he was responsible for the death. Pause on that for a little bit. He was responsible. Think about your own background and all the bad stuff you've ever done. He was responsible for murdering Christians. And yet God met him on the road to Damascus as he was pursuing more Christians. And he was blinded by the light as uh, the song went back in the 80s. I don't think it was about this experience. But he was blinded by the light, and the light was Jesus. And Jesus spoke to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
And everything in, in Saul's life would change that day. And he surrendered his life to God. And he found the life that he had been looking for all along. And he found it through Jesus. And God used him significantly in the expansion of the gospel. What we often miss, though, is between his conversion and his first missionary journey where he's spreading the gospel was a period of 17 years where he was waiting and God was teaching him. And God finally releases him. And, 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 and Paul, as he's known now, is spreading the gospel in places that have never heard the gospel. Humanly speaking, God used Paul more than any other of the disciples to spread the gospel. And one of the places he went to was a town called Philippi. It was in Greece. And it was the first, he established the church there. It was the first church in Europe. And he had a very close relationship with this church. But in, in founding this church, he ended up getting beaten and thrown into prison. It's a remarkable story. It's found in Acts chapter 16. You can read it later. But while they're in prison, and Paul along with Silas, they start singing these hymns to God, and God creates an earthquake, and the doors open, and and the chains are gone. And the jailer who was responsible for them and would have faced execution is about to kill himself, and Paul says, "Don't, don't do that. We're all here. And that jailer becomes a Christian, and he's one of the the people that we know in this church. And they found Christ because Christ found them. And this is what we know about the church. We know this church was one of Paul's favorites. We, We know there was a maturity in this church, but it wasn't perfect. Just like I love this church, and this is a mature church, but this church is not perfect. And uh, Paul, 10 years after he founds it, writes them this letter called Philippians. And in this letter, he talks about many themes. One is he's thanking them for a gift they sent to him because now he's in prison in Rome and he's waiting a life and death sentence. Significant in understanding what Paul is saying. He is waiting to find out whether he's going to live or die. He's in prison in chains, and he's writing this letter to them, and he's encouraging them on many levels. One, he tells them to be, to have the attitude like Jesus did of a servant. He's telling them to agree in the Lord because there were two women disagreeing, and it was about to split the church. And he told them to focus on joy and rejoicing. And in the midst of all this, we're in chapter 4, and uh, we're going to look at the bigger, bigger picture here. And if you have your Bibles with you, uh, please turn to Philippians 4, verse 10. We're going to read verses 10 through 13. So we know a little bit more about Paul. We know a little bit about this church. But now we're going to look at the context of this very famous and well-known passage. I want to remind everyone before I read this, this simple truth. All Scripture is inspired by God. And if you're looking for encouragement today, I believe it will be found not in my words, but in God's word, spoken through his servant, Paul. Please read along with me. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that once again you, meaning the church of Philippi, renewed your care for me. You you were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I, I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know both how to have a little and how to have a lot <laughs> in any in every circumstances i have learned the secret of being content 
whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. When you read it in the context, it begins to change the subtle meanings, doesn't it? And the absolute context here demands that when we look at this verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's in the context of finding contentment. Finding contentment. The most significant words, in my opinion, in this verse are not I or me. The most significant words in this verse is through Christ. How in the world did this man, Paul, find contentment despite the fact that he went through beatings and shipwrecks? And can you imagine what a first century prison was like? He's constantly being threatened with his own life by people who hated him. And he can say, despite all these circumstances and being hungry, I can do all things. I can find this contentment through Christ who gives me strength. The most significant words in this verse are not I or me. The most significant words, as Paul discovered, is through Christ. Earlier, we sang the song so beautifully, and I'm so thankful for the gifted and the talented uh, praise team we have here, both on this stage and behind it. We sang so beautifully from our hearts, Christ is enough for me. Is that true? Is that true? Then if it's true, it means I can find contentment no matter what my circumstance. Some of you today are bringing circumstances with you that are overwhelming. Perhaps Jesus is saying to you today, I am enough. You're looking for help elsewhere, but I am enough. Paul was able, I believe, to find contentment on this level because he listened to the words of Jesus and he took them to heart. Some of the toughest words Jesus ever said to his disciples, in fact, after he said this, many disciples were no longer disciples anymore. And it's a great test of faith when we hear the the words I'm about to share you from Jesus. Because if you're looking for everything life that was meant to be, that God meant for us, we need to take these next words very, very seriously. Jesus said this, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily. And follow me. If you're looking for everything God means for your life, we need to look at a verse like that and and, and absorb that verse and say, say to ourselves this, Lord, I'm giving up my way and I'm choosing your way. And one of the most misunderstood verses of the Bible is when, when it says, take up your cross daily. Often we, we refer to that as the burdens of life. Uh, for example, a woman might say, my husband is such a slob. He leaves all his dirty clothes around, but I love him, and that's just the cross I have to bear. Well, <laughs> Jesus was not meaning burdens. 
And he wasn't meaning that we actually take up a cross like that ginormous cross right there. I, I couldn't move that cross anywhere. Maybe Mark Johnson could move that cross, but I, I couldn't move that cross. But, but he's not talking about a physical cross, is he? He's talking about a willingness to die and suffer every day for his glory. Those are hard words, aren't they? And yet those are the words, listen, that God wants everyone, including myself, to hear today. David, are you willing to set aside your own agenda? Are you willing to suffer and die for me every day? Because if you're willing to do that, I will pour everything into your life and give you joy and happiness and contentment, just like I did the Apostle Paul. One of the great privileges I've had is to travel to Cuba on eight different occasions. And uh, my last trip there uh, took place in October. Uh, This is a picture of the uh, four of us that were there to minister the uh, the man in, on my uh, right is Walt Wiley in the, in the green. He's been my friend and mentor for over 25 years, one of my dearest friends, one of the greatest servant leaders I know. The tall uh, gentleman on the far right in the dark blue is Sid Stansel, who is a missionary who starts churches all over the world. He's especially focused on Cuba and Ecuador. He, he just goes door to door or hut to hut, and he shares Jesus. And people come to the Lord, and he, he helps him start these churches. And he started doing this in Cuba 25 years ago. 25 years ago, when when the persecution in the Church of Cuba was enormous, Sid was stepping out in faith and doing this. About 10 years ago, I had the opportunity to to meet the man in the white shirt. His name is Ernesto. Ernesto is a house pastor. The reason I say house pastor is in Cuba, they will not let a building like this or any kind of church building be built. You have to meet in homes, and you have to meet in the home of the pastor, and the pastor actually has to live there. So wherever you live, that's where you meet, and most of the homes there are very small. Here's Here's a picture of Ernesto's home. Very small home, very rustic, no indoor plumbing. Uh, there's an outhouse off to the side. And in this house, uh, for every, every uh, week, people gather, people that uh, Ernesto's led to the Lord. And despite the persecution and this, <laughs> despite the hardships they're under, every week they get gathered together and praise God. I had an opportunity to share with those people, and I want you to look into their faces And I want you to tell me what you see in their face. What do you see? Contentment. What else? Joy. You see joy and happiness. And listen, these people have nothing. And yet, listen, they have everything. You see, Christ is enough for them. Christ is enough despite the fact that most of them are wearing the only clothes they own. Most of them don't even know where their next meal is coming from. And yet the joy of the Lord is within them. I want to encourage you as you think about, can I, am I capable of suffering for Jesus and finding joy? Let me, let me assure you this. The answer is yes. How does that happen? I surrender myself once again to you, Jesus. Why? Because you are the only one that brings salvation and hope and joy and eternal life. You're far more capable of suffering for Jesus than you realize. And I've been so encouraged by my time with these men and women in Cuba and reminded, first of all, how much we have in this country. 
This is our 4th of July celebration weekend. And I'm reminded of the men and women, some in this room who have sacrificed their life so we could do what we're doing today. When I'm in Cuba, I'm told never to mention Castro's name, never to mention anything political. In America, we, we, we don't have those restrictions. We can build buildings. We can reach out to the community without fear of being arrested. We have such wonderful freedoms in this church, this country. We have such wonderful opportunities to be the light of Jesus. And what Jesus is asking us is simply this. Let me be enough for you. Let me be enough for you. I recognize there are some people in this room that are struggling right now. Some of you lost your job and you don't know where your money's going to come from. Some of you have lost loved ones like I have, and there's a hole in your heart because you're grieving. Some of you are just simply unhappy with life's circumstances. They've hit you hard. They, they beat you down, and you need some hope today. And if you're wondering how do you find that hope, It's simply this. You surrender your life once again to Jesus. In the late, uh, well, I won't tell you the year. When I was in my late 20s, in other words, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Throughout my 20s, I was pursuing a, a career that was working out very well. But towards the end of my 20s, things started to unravel. I didn't realize it at the time. I see it very clearly now. I had stopped denying myself. (laughs) I had stopped being willing to take up my cross, meaning suffer for Jesus. And I had started focusing on a career path that only I was in charge of. I didn't know it then. I see it clearly now. And very subtly, every day, I was slipping further and further away from Jesus. And more importantly, slipping away from depending wholly upon him. And as you would imagine, when you you try to live your life your way, at some point it will crash. And indeed, my life did crash. Everything I had hoped for in terms of my career was suddenly gone. And then I started going in this spiral of depression until it got really bad. I had the kind of depression where I didn't get, want to get up in the morning. I didn't want to see anyone. It was like there's, there's this heavy weight on my chest, and it was hard for me to breathe. And I recognized everything was spiraling out of control. In moments like these, we have a choice to make. And the choice is simply this. Do I trust Jesus with all my heart? Or am I going to still try to fix my life in order to make me In my desperation, the only thing I could hold on to was a song, such a sweet song that I learned as a child. And I started singing this song over and over again. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. I sang that song over and over again, 
And what I couldn't see then, I can see so clearly now, even as God was calming the greatest storm of my life, he was bringing me the joy and contentment I yearned for so deeply. Some of you are seeking contentment today. And I can assure you, you're looking for joy, you're looking for happiness. I can assure you there's only one way you will find it. You will only find it with your hands open wide to Jesus and saying, Christ, you are enough. You're all I need. Would you bow with me now as we, as followers of Jesus, take this deep concern to him right now as we seek to surrender our life to him. I also, in just a little bit in our prayer time, want to invite those who are not yet followers of Jesus. In fact, uh, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I I just want to share something very deep and profound with you, and it's simply this. Jesus is pursuing you right now. Jesus said in his word, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, understand this. Jesus is pursuing you right now. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much for your word, for the power of your word, for the truth of what Paul wrote many years ago. I I can do all things through your son, Jesus, who gives me strength. We know, Lord, that this has to do with contentment and joy, no matter what our circumstances. I pray for everyone in this room who's a follower of your son, Jesus, that they would surrender everything and open wide their arms fully and completely to you. Because what you have to offer is joy and contentment and an everlasting home in heaven. Lord, I also pray for those who are not followers of Jesus yet, that they would be reminded of Jesus' words, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. May they know and understand that his gift of eternal life is theirs for the taking through faith, through repentance, and through receiving that marvelous gift that you are offering. Lord, hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword DOGWOOD to 77977 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and to give. 